Welcome to a special edition of the 12th House Podcast. We are coming into your ear holes today with a little remix mashup of two of our most listened to intuitive business episodes specifically because we thought this would be a perfect time of year to hit you with a little organizational, intuitive content creation, procrastination, knowledge drop. On Tuesday, we are doing another cohort of our Notion for Magical Baddies System Spells course, where we're really looking at the ways in which we prevent ourselves from getting into action. So a lot of us are super squiggly brain intuitive people that have an abundance of ideas, but when it comes to execution, we need accountability. We need organizational tools that make us feel supported, but not constricted, I would say. A lot of us like to rebel against routine and against anything too organizational. But when you have the right tools and systems set up for you, you can actually have more space to create on autopilot and you're not constantly trying to rework the systems. They're working for you instead of you being beholden to them. The first part of this episode, Michelle walks you through Monday Hour One and she also talks about procrastination and gives a different perspective on how to relate to it and how it's actually kind of a form of self-harm and self-sabotage and how to overcome it. The second part of the episode, Michelle and I are walking through how we use the second brain philosophy of storing information and how, honestly, anyone who uses the internet could benefit from this. I'm someone who usually has 10 million tabs open that get forgotten and that get lost And that's not really cool when it comes to making content and you're starting from a blank slate or even when you want to share something that really moved you with friends and you can't find it. So I think anyone who uses the internet can benefit from having a second brain template set up. But especially if you're a person who's creating content, it's really an awesome way to store information so that when you want to come back to an idea that you've been mulling over, you're not drawing from a blank slate. You actually have a repository of information and a library to draw from, and it really reduces anxiety and urgency. And if you want to learn more about our Notion for Magical Body Systems and Spells course, go to the link in our show notes. We'll talk about it a little bit more later in the episode, but I'll pass the mic to Michelle and let you get into it. Let's just dive into today's content, which is productivity, intuition, and a little thing I call Monday hour one. I get asked about my morning routine and my schedule a lot at the risk of sounding like an influencer. A lot of you would ask about my morning routine, but really no shade to influencers. Also, yes, I do. I get asked this a lot. I think it's because I've worked for myself for a really long time and I'm pretty productive and I'm really intuitive and weird. So everyone's like, how do you work? Because you seem like you don't work, but all these things get done. And I would agree with you. Yeah, it does seem like that sometimes, but really we're all just like side-eyeing each other. Right. And we're like, how do you do the things? Because I don't know if I'm doing the things right. And it seems like everyone else knows what they're doing and has this rule book for doing the things. And I don't have the rule book. No one gave me the book. We all feel that way. So don't be stressed. It is cool to learn other people's routines because it gives you inspiration. And I hope that's all that this does. Gives you some inspiration, maybe a couple ideas that you can apply or you can think about yourself. But the opposite of how I want you to feel is guilty because 
I know that before Monday Hour One, I was obsessed with productivity because internalized capitalism. And I would read all the productivity books and try all the frameworks and the ideas. And they would work for a couple days for me. And then inevitably they'd fail and I would fail and I'd feel like a total garbage can of a human being. And that sucked. And so I don't want you to feel that way. And Monday Hour One is the only thing that makes me not feel like that, at least right now. And I hope it works for you. By the way, if any system makes you feel like a garbage can, it's not the right system for you. No person, no system, no thing, nothing in your life should make you feel like absolute trash. So if you have things that do, you have my permission to dump them. Sound good? Okay, great. Before we get into the logistics of Monday Hour One, first, I want to say I learned the concept of Monday Hour One from Brooke Castillo at Life Coach School. And Brooke and I are really different people. So she's great. She has very different, we work in very different ways. And I have taken this concept and used it in a way that works for me. And I recommend that you do the same, that you apply what works for you and you throw away the stuff that doesn't. So this is based on Brooke Castillo's Monday Hour One with my own intuitive Michelle Pell's on twists. Okay. You're like, tell us what it is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'll, I'll explain exactly how to do it at the very end. But the reason that Monday Hour One works is because of the philosophy underneath it or the concepts underneath it. If you don't have the concepts, this turns into another shitty productivity tool. And we are not doing that. We are not doing that in 2021. Do you hear me? We are not doing shitty productivity tools. So three concepts that I need you to understand, or at least like be able to on a pop quiz, you'd be like, yeah, kind of familiar with that one that you got to know before you start applying Monday hour one. The first one, your productivity does not equate your value. So capitalism loves to tell us that we are as valuable as how productive we are, because that's literally how capitalism works, right? You are more valuable to the company you work for if you can make more things and the company can make more money based off your output, right? So you're technically more valuable because you bring in more money to the company. But that is not right. That is a cognitive distortion. Your innate value as a human being has nothing to do with your ability to cross things off a checklist. Just a healthy reminder. You are so valuable that you are invaluable. We can't even put a price on you innately. Whether you are checking off all the to-do lists or you are blobbing on the couch, you are invaluable, okay? Let's just put that idea in a little pot. Let's put it on the back burner. Let's let it simmer for a while as we talk about this other stuff. Okay, let me turn your attention to another concept. Procrastination. As a CEO of procrastination, these Two things I'm about to tell you really hurt my feelings, but they also are correct. They resonate. Procrastination is two things. Well, first off, procrastination is not a sign of laziness. Procrastination, number one, is a form of perfectionism. Number two, procrastination is a form of self-harm. Let's discuss. If you are a perfectionist, I'm raising my hand right now, perfectly, by the way. If you're a perfectionist, this will sound familiar to you. I would rather not do it than not do it perfectly. Because as perfectionists, if we sit down to paint something for the first time and it doesn't look like it's Van Gogh's most amazing masterpiece, because if we sit down to a piano and we don't automatically sound like Mozart incarnate, because if we start a business and it isn't immediately profitable and the biggest success and it hits us on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, we would rather not do the thing. 
Like we'd rather not even try if we're not going to be amazing at it. And that's really toxic for our growth as human beings, right? Because we have to fail at things in order to be successful at them. Like we just do. That's It's called practice. And perfectionism will get in the way of you going out and making things and learning about yourself and helping and changing the world 100% of the time because you're never going to be perfect and you're never going to do it right. You just aren't, babe. You aren't. You're going to mess up the whole time. That's like being human. And guess what? You're still lovable. You're still enough. You're still valuable. We learned as perfectionists that we are not acceptable and we're not lovable unless we are perfect or unless we are like so unoffensive that someone can't find a reason not to love us, right? If I'm just so perfect and there's nothing wrong with me, how could someone like say that they don't love me? Because there's no reason for them to say that. The truth is like you're lovable because of all of your messy middleness, because of all your failures, because of all your mess ups, because of all your weirdness, you are lovable. So procrastination is a form of perfectionism. And every time you feel yourself beginning to procrastinate on something, shine a light on it and say, is this my perfectionism talking? And can that bitch please sit down? (laughs) Just kidding. You can be nice to your inner perfectionist. Okay. Concept number two, procrastination is a form of self-harm. This is very tender to me because I was and still can be someone who really harms themselves with their actions and with their thoughts. We're all struggling with this concept, right? Not we all. I don't want to put that on you. I struggle with this concept. I'll speak from the eye. Procrastination is a form of self-harm because think about what happens when you procrastinate. When you put off paying that ticket, that parking ticket, right, that you can totally afford, gives you anxiety, You think about it. You think about the fact that you need to pay the ticket and that the longer that you wait to pay the ticket, the more you're going to have to pay to pay the ticket. And then what if you get pulled over when you're driving on the highway and the cop sees that you haven't paid the ticket and then they take you to jail, right? (laughs) That's crazy, but also that's kind of what happens in my brain. So I'm assuming that's what happens in other people's brains. This is harm because this anxiety is something that we are directly in control of And that we could very easily get rid of if we just paid the parking ticket, right? It's not that we don't have the money. It's not that like we can't find a fucking stamp or we don't have internet. It's that we just didn't do it, that we stayed, we chose the anxiety. And, you know, you're going to have to unpack this for yourself. But I noticed for me, sometimes it's easier to feel pain than it is to feel pleasure or to feel joy or to feel rest or to feel love. And in order to feel something, to distract myself, I will sometimes choose the pain, right? I'll choose the harm. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to perpetuate that. So every time you procrastinate, take a look and see if that's your perfectionist or that's you trying to put yourself in harm. And it might not be that, right? It might be that you're like, well, today I'm just feeling a little lazy, so I'm going to push it off, right? And that's totally fine. But notice that because this whole system works on you being accountable for yourself and you thinking of your schedule as a self-loving practice. And the opposite of a self-loving practice would be procrastination, especially if it is a form of perfectionism or a form of self-harm. And the way that Monday Hour One can really work is when you hold yourself in high regard and you say, I have created this schedule or I have created this week for myself out of love and out of the idea that I want to thrive and I want to set myself up to feel good. And 
I don't want myself to have anxiety or to feel less than or to be overwhelmed because I'm not at my best. My magic doesn't flow as quickly when I'm putting myself in that situation. Finally, the concept that you need to understand is that we control time and that time is just this delusion that we like all are collectively in agreement on. We're like, oh yeah, minutes, hours, days, right? <laughs> like, no, no, come on. A minute is not 60 seconds. Think about like when you've really had to go to the bathroom and like you had to wait, you had to wait outside like a bathroom stall because it was all full or you're like waiting on the airplane for someone to leave and you're like, oh my God, it must have been a hundred hours and it's only been like four. 45 seconds, right? Time expands and contracts according to our relationship to it and how much attention we give it. So that being said, there's this thing called Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law states that a task will expand or contract according to the amount of time that we allot for it. So if I give myself two hours to fold the laundry, it'll take me two hours to fold the laundry. If I give myself two weeks to fold the laundry, it will take me two fucking weeks. I will wait until that last moment to fold the laundry, right? Same thing with our work. If we give ourselves three days to write a blog post, it'll probably take three days and we'll finish that blog post at midnight on the day that we said we wanted to finish it. If I give myself three hours, you better believe that it's done in three hours. I've never written 500 words so fast. Am I right? So this is all to say that we can control time. We are magicians. We can control time and space according to how we pay attention to it and how we respect it. And that's a really important component, respecting your time, respecting the concept of time and playing with the concept of time. Very important when it comes to making a Monday hour one work for you. So let's talk about how to make Monday hour one work. First, I'm going to drop my own Monday hour one worksheet into the show notes. So you can grab a copy of that below. The first thing that we're going to do is have our sort of quarterly big goals at the very top of our list. I keep these in mind because everything that I'm doing, like my day-to-day -day tasks, I can be discerning about how I want to spend my time and energy. When I look at my goals or my visions for what I'm wanting to create and I see, oh, well, if I'm going to be spending my time moving towards this goal, what is it that I need to do in order to fulfill that? Do I really need to reply to XYZ email from a random person in order to move closer to my goal of whatever it might be, feeding a thousand starving children? Maybe, maybe not, right? So having your top goals for the next 90 days or the next quarter on top of your Monday hour one can really help sort of laser focus your vision, your attention. At the beginning of your week on Monday morning, this is why it's called Monday hour one or Sunday night if you get Sunday scaries, you're gonna brain dump everything that you need to do for the week. Things like redo website page and send email to person and write book report. <laughs> I don't know if you're like in the fifth grade and listening to this, write book report or pay taxes or go to grocery store or make that appointment, right? All the things that you need to do and you're gonna brain dump it in one place. And then you're going to assign those tasks to the day that you want to do them. So you have your layout of Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday. If you're a seven day work week person, I have Monday through Sunday because I will take off days in the middle of my week often because I like to have a flexible schedule. And then you assign the tasks to any given day. You can go a step further and you can assign actual hours to the tasks that you've got for yourself. So you could say on Monday from nine to 11, I'm going to redo my website. On Tuesday from three to five, I'm going to brainstorm my quarter four goals, whatever it might be. 
that doesn't work for me. I don't like having that rigid of a schedule. I need the flexibility to sort of move around my day and wake up in the morning and decide, okay, what do I want to start with? So I don't like to, to be too rigid about it. But this structure really helps my own intuition and creativity because we work best as creative and intuitive people when we have parameters, when we have some structure to work off of, when we've got some rooting, right? It's just like a tree can flow and sway in the wind and be much more flexible when it's got really deep roots because that rootedness is safety and it allows it to like spread and fly even more. Same thing with our intuition and our creativity. When I create structure for myself, I am so much more creative and intuitive because my brain can focus on the intuitive and creative things as opposed to worrying about my schedule, worrying about and having anxiety around getting those tasks done and when am I going to do them. The beautiful thing about Monday Hour One is that you can look and see in one quick glance when any given thing on your to-do list is going to get done. Ah, I'm going to pay my accountant on Thursday morning. Great. That means that Monday through Wednesday, I don't need to worry about paying the fucking accountant, right? That's what I do on Thursday. It's all good. And this is really helpful if you work in teams, because if you're working with someone and they say, oh my gosh, really need that XYZ thing from you. When will you be able to do it? You can say, oh, I actually have it on my calendar for Wednesday afternoon. So I'll get it to you then. It is awesome to work with someone who uses Monday Hour One just because you know where you stand with them. And it also creates a really nice boundary for your working style. And that's pretty much how Monday Hour One works. You can move the days around and your tasks around according to if you finish them or complete them. And if you don't, that's okay too. You always know that you can move it to the next day and you can reorganize your schedule accordingly. When you first get started, you'll probably overschedule yourself because we tend to be temporally optimistic. We think that we can get much more done in an hour than we actually can. <laughs> and that's okay. That's just something you got to try for yourself. And as you practice this more, you'll get even better at it. But this has saved my life and definitely helped me get through all of the things that I need to do in order to make this business work. The last thing that I'll say is I'd like to anchor every single day with one big thing. For me, that is the big needle moving task or the big focus that will help me accomplish those goals that are above my Monday hour one, my sort of like high level vision for what I want to create in the world. My one big thing on any given day might be I send an email to that one person who I need to talk to, or maybe I pitch myself to XYZ podcast. I would never do that because I'm a projector, but you get what I'm saying. It's the one big thing that will move you closer to your vision, to what you're trying to create and do. Having this prioritized and making sure it gets done will make you feel like you never have a wasted day because I know if I just do that one big thing, I'm good. Like I'm moving towards the future that I want to create. And that way I never have anxiety and I never feel bad if I don't accomplish my to-do list. Because if I've done that one big thing, then I'm good to go. I'm set. And everything else is just gravy, right? So that's Monday hour one. I hope that you enjoy it. And I did not keep this to 10 minutes, but I'll do better next time, I promise. And you can grab the worksheet for Monday hour one in the show notes. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a text at the number in the show notes. If you were like, yes, love it. Or you're like, what? And I'll see you on the internet. All right. Hope you enjoyed learning more about the Monday hour one philosophy. It is really a lifesaver in many ways. And now we're going to hop into the second half of this episode where Michelle and I are talking about how we use 
the second brain template. We use this on Notion, but you can totally use it on pen and paper too or another program. It's really just a concept and a framework to store information and refer back to it so that it's not clogging up precious brain space so that you can actually focus on what you're doing and what you're meant to do and what you're here to do instead of the million tabs that you have open or the thing that you forgot to buy for your sister that you wanted to save, but you don't know where you saved it now. We could go on and on about the second brain, but if you want to learn more about it, we go into it super in depth, how to set it up, how to optimize it, as well as how to use Monday Hour One in our Systems and Spells course that is happening on Tuesday. That is when the first live cohort class starts. You will have access to all the replays if you sign up so you don't have to join live, but it's really fun to join. It is so much fun. We wanted to design this course for you to have fun, to have accountability, because usually when people talk about organization and systematizing anything, you just want to claw your eyes out. It's so boring. It just feels like you want to crawl out of your skin because it does not relate to how you work. And creating a system that works for you has so much to do with knowing your own learning styles. So that's something we also go into at the beginning of the class so that you can design a system that is specific to you and works just for you according to how you are going to naturally operate versus how you think you should or somebody else told you that you should. This course is especially designed for people who are really creative and intuitive and we've built in accountability. That means showing up with other people in community if you want to. It's so helpful. We also bribe you. We set up a little reward system where if you finish your assignment at the end of the course, which is super fun, we'll give you a bunch of money back. So it's extra worth it. If you want to learn more about that, are, check out the link in the show notes and hop on over to our website where you can find a more in-depth description of exactly what you're going to get out of class and honestly exactly how fun it is and if you're feeling like uh I want this year to be different I want to actually actualize my ideas I want to start that project launch that product in my business you name it, this is a really good opportunity to create some accountability and create a container for yourself to get all of that information out of your head, out into the world, and into a system that will help you create consistently with so much more ease and way less urgency and struggle. And we just can't wait to see what you make. Check out the show notes. Enjoy the rest of the episode where we go into how Second Brain has helped us out and let you get into it. I am excited for this episode because we're talking about a concept that I love, which is called Second Brain. And if you Google Second Brain, you'll see a wonderful series of educational content from Tiago Forte at Forte Labs. He is the one who really popularized this term Second Brain and it's sort of spread around the internet and it's just cool. But I would argue that the concept of a second brain is nothing new. It's just this term is so perfect and is a bit modern. But second brain is basically a place to store information. And it's important we want to talk about it because we're really entering this era of the knowledge worker. And we've been in a time of coaching and influencing. I don't know. What do you think, Wallace? Curating. Curating. Editorializing. Yes, exactly. Commenting. <laughs> yes. Liking. Sharing. Exactly. <laughs> and we're entering, I think, a knowledge worker era as content shifts from 
less maybe IG posts and outfits, which are cool. Also cool. Like I love a good outfit post to more teaching, more long form content. And also if you go on TikTok, like a lot of TikTok is sharing and spreading knowledge and aggregating knowledge. And it's just, I think this is just a cool area. And if you're a knowledge worker, if you're someone who shares knowledge or teaches other people, we need to develop powerful, valuable, interesting, meaningful ideas. The more oomph there is, the more depth there is to our concepts and ideas that we incubate, the more likely we are to be successful because we're bringing something new to the table. We're not just regurgitating what other people are saying. We're making it our own. We're adding our unique perspective. Ramit Sethi talks about how one of the best ways to find like your niche Mm -hmm. is to find the two things that are really contradictory that you're interested in and the intersection of those two things. So for him, it's like, you know, money and psychology. Mm. And so he likes to sit at that intersection. And when you maybe approach something like taxes from that perspective, all of a sudden you open up so much more opportunity for you to go deep and to like really provide something new and a new perspective and new visual to the people who want to learn from you. Even if you're not saying anything necessarily new about taxes, approaching them from a perspective of how they make you feel and like the psychology of them and why we think the way we think about paying our taxes and why they make us scared and why we're getting anxiety just talking about it. Like that is interesting, right? So we want to go deep also because it's just like, I just thought of an innuendo. Fuck. Deep throw. Deeper is more fun. Going deeper is more fun. For sure. (laughs) Not just the tip. Not on the 12th house. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You want to get railed, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Just Scorpio moon had to take it as far as possible. (laughs) Where's the limit? Let's go past it. But really, like, it's more fun to go deep. And I think, I mean, like, please. please. I was distracted by 20 sentences ago. (laughs) Your pronunciation of the word niche. What did I say? I've noticed. This is just an aside, but I'll bring it back. Americans say niche. Oh, but the etymology of the word, I believe, is French and niche. Say niche, en like français. a nichois salad. <laughs> Nichoise, <laughs> <laughs> nichoise. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Me, I, I thought I said niche. Niche. No, I've noticed quite common in the U.S. I don't hear it in Canada as much. I really was distracted by that. <laughs> I was like, I'm paying attention, but I can't stop. But I'm not about paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Early 17th century is. It's French. It literally means recess from mm-hmm. niche, make a nest, based mm. on the Latin word nidus, nidus, uh, not nidus, which means nest. Mm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because it's like carving out your own little nest. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was thinking about what you were saying in terms of TikTok and mm-hmm. niches and aggregating information, synthesizing, remixing, making Mm -hmm. it your own Mm -hmm. and how perfect TikTok is for that and how it's set up because it's, you know, you start with the original sound and then you see how far it goes and how it evolves just like meme meme culture and internet culture in general. Yes. And of how quickly things get synthesized and metabolized and mashed up and remixed and like you need almost like an encyclopedic knowledge of like what's come before much like modern art in order to understand modern art you need to know what it's referencing it's Mm -hmm. like that's what meme culture is meme culture is modern modern art contemporary modern art Mm -hmm. like you need to understand the references in order to think it's funny when Mm -hmm. I show Ethan TikToks he's like okay (laughs) 
I'm like literally peeing my pants, like crying. How are you not down this rabbit hole? Yeah. I'm like, no, watch it again. He says, you're, sh- are you shitting my dick? Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm getting hot talking about Sweating. niches. And but yeah, to bring it back down to finding your niche, your niche, your nest, whatever you want. Yeah. Your recess. Yeah. Your recess. Go play. Exactly. That's part of it. To be able to play and remix and collage and pastiche, you need a good base. You do. And you also need to remember what you have learned in the past. You need to like pull from things, right? Like, yeah, collaging is such a good example because to make a beautiful collage, you have to have a lot of, like if we're physically making it, you have to have like a lot of magazines, a lot of pictures, a lot of things to work with because not everything is going to work together. Yeah. So, and like your second brain is kind of like your digital scrapbook. Yeah, totally, totally. So we can develop deep intentional theories and concepts by acknowledging that our brains are not for storage. They're for mm-hmm. cognition. They're for thinking and creating and intuiting. And David Allen says this in his Getting Things Done, that brains are not for storage. They're for thinking. And we don't, I don't think that like we, that's a, that seems like a very foreign concept to many people. Yeah. Right now, I think generationally, too, a lot of people don't really want to admit that because Mm. they might not be. I feel like with my parents, they're not as up to date on technology. So they rely much more on their memory. And it is still it's funny. It's like now at the dinner table, it's a game. (laughs) What can you remember about this political argument without looking it up or whatever it is? It's a game because we don't actually have to do that anymore. Yeah. And I think that there is something cool about like being able to remember. And and actually, I think what's cool is retaining Mm -hmm. and being able to contextualize information, not just like how many of us learned in school to memorize something for a test. Mm -hmm. And then it's immediately out of our brains. We Mm -hmm. like work so hard for a grade not to actually like have knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think that we experience that a lot in our day to day, especially in our fast paced digital culture, when we're scrolling through Instagram, looking at tapping through stories on TikTok, even going through our email, we read so much, we take so much in, but how much do we actually metabolize and think about in the future? And really the way to like develop our own worldviews and our own meaning-making systems or our perspective in a a world made of meaning-making systems and cults and other people's beliefs is to give ourselves time to understand where the chips fall for us to create our concept of what we believe in, what our worldview is. And that means that we have to have do some deep work on like mm-hmm. the theories and concepts that mm-hmm. maybe everyone else has been telling us it's this. But when we really sit with ourselves and we really investigate, like, do I believe that or not? We might come up with a different perspective based on the information that we have at hand. And that's where I think a second brain or some sort of place where you can aggregate the information that you've learned over time and bring it together is really important. And I wanted to bring up Joan Rivers because Joan Mm. Rivers, amazing comedian, Mm -hmm. trailblazer. Mm. She was notorious for working really fucking hard. Mm. And she had a room with floor to ceiling drawers full of note cards of jokes that she would write that were organized. She'd organize them by topic And she would write these jokes on note cards over her whole life. Her whole life, she did this. And then she would go and she would pull, when she was putting together a special, she'd pull these note cards out to make a special. 
and to get ideas from for new jokes. And that's exactly what a second brain is. And I think that's really like anyone who's a researcher, who's amazing at their craft, who's a writer, who's a creator, they know how to, this is how they work. Like mm-hmm. this is how you work. You never write from a blank page, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to the references that you've you've studied even if you're an artist mm-hmm. like in the book steal like an artist mm-hmm. the author says you know go and experiment and explore with tons of pieces of information and inspiration don't just get inspired by one artist because you'll end up copying that person you'll just end up make like replicating what they do you want to be inspired from lots of different places to create something that's completely inspired that's your own mm-hmm. that's not a replication no idea yeah exactly well, that's interesting about Joan Rivers I think isn't that cool yeah I also think it's kind of similar to well we were talking about working memory mm-hmm. and ADHD and how important working memory is but how difficult it can be for people with ADHD because mm-hmm. working memory is the first bit before your memory turns into short-term memory mm-hmm. and then it eventually is stored as long-term memory and part of the issue is we're constantly, even if you don't have ADHD, we're in this culture of multitasking and switching constantly. Mm -hmm. You're opening Slack. You have like 20 million tabs. You're switching between desktops, whatever it is that you're doing. So it makes working memory really difficult because you can't always remember what task you're on or you walk into a room, you forget why you entered the room or you leave something somewhere and you forget you completely blank on where you left your phone in your own house Mm -hmm. and it takes you forever to find it, whatever. So working memory, I think, is really interesting to think about working on because one of the ways that you can help yourself do that is using your second brain or like Joan Rivers. It's almost like this idea of it's from a book we referenced last episode. Also, our guy, Phil. Our guy, Phil Boissier, um, (laughs) who talks about thriving with adult ADHD. And one of the things that he talks about to help your working memory and your focus is to create a distraction log with a piece of paper, a notebook. It could be digital, whatever. And every time you're distracted to actually write that down, one, you can keep track of what's occupying your mind, but then you can also release those thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're stored somewhere else. And that's what's so awesome about a second brain and Joan Rivers note cards, which is amazing. She just stored them physically in her little joke library. Exactly. And then she didn't have to think about it again because she knew it was written down, it was stored, and it was there for her when she needed it. Exactly. Think about how often you have like a brilliant idea. Maybe you're in the middle of like a workout. (laughs) So hard. (laughs) Oh my God. The way that I had to hold on to this idea that I needed to text you yesterday. It was impossible. I could not hold my pelvic floor and <laughs> think of this idea at the same time. I'm so glad I was at the end of my class. I was very impressed when I read her message. I was like, isn't she doing Pilates? <laughs> I almost stopped my class. To write got off her, and then I was like, that's really rude. I shouldn't do that. I persisted. But yes, holding an idea in your brain and being afraid that it's going to basically slip through your metaphorical fingers and be out of your brain forever takes up so much energy, causes so much anxiety for someone who has a maybe like quote unquote bad memory. Yeah. And then a shame spiral. And then it turns into negative self-talk of like, why can't I just remember where my keys are? And it's, it's not your fault. Yeah. Or extrapolate that to why can't I follow through on anything? I have all these great ideas for businesses, but I never do them. I have all these great intentions, but I never do them because I forget. Yeah. And they go out into the ether. And if you're just relying on your memory, which I have really good short-term memory, I think. Mm -hmm. So I've relied on that a lot, but it doesn't work for (laughs) working memory or long-term memory it's right in the middle 
Well, and the minute you get distracted by something else that's higher priority, perhaps like a trauma or something emotional that's happening um, or something physical that's happening, you're shit out of luck, right? Exactly. And that's also what we were talking about, external distractions, like, you know, everything from your phone to that can happen on the internet is something most of us are battling all day. But the internal distractions can sometimes be the loudest things, the Mm -hmm. internal thought patterns, the emotional stuff that you're trying to grapple with can sometimes be louder than any of that. And I think that's what we've all definitely realized in the pandemic. (laughs) Nope. Now, to quote Kylie Jenner, it was really the year Mm. of realizing things. (laughs) Hundo P. She said it the best. She said it. Yeah, yeah. Take advice Uh, from a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah, that, that internal, external distractions. And actually, that's like a symptom of it's not a symptom. A symptom is perfectionism and mm-hmm. being like paralyzed by perfectionism. Mm-hmm. If you are like a high achiever, but you can't get yourself into action for some reason, it could be because you need, you quote unquote need your internal and external worlds to be exactly perfect in order to function, in order to write that paper, in order to send that email, in order to, I don't know, read a book. And that means that everything around you has to be exactly the way that you need it homeostasis, right? Temperature in the room, comfortable clothes, not have to be too badly, but also not too thirsty. And also your internal world has to be, internal landscape has to be still and quiet and and exactly perfect. So if you're not like totally having an absolute boner over what you're writing, you're like, oh, I can't do it today. It's just not, it's not not going to come. I don't have at least four beverages on my desk. (laughs) This is not happening. That is my rule. (laughs) (laughs) That is my demand. Just can't happen. (laughs) It's like on my writer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Four different beverages, all slightly caffeinated, but not too much. Yeah. Health adjacent. Yeah. We're not drinking Coke over here. Nope. Kombucha, though. Fuck that. I'll fuck that. Yeah. I'll fuck that? <laughs> I'll let that fuck me up. That's what I wanted to say. You you would fuck kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> kombucha is definitely your fuck. For sure. Oh, wait. Mary. What would You'd I marry kombucha. What are my options? Coffee, kombucha, matcha. I mean, kill matcha. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. And then probably like hate fuck coffee for sure. And mm. then marry kombucha. So oh, cute. You can bring kombucha so home to mom and dad, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Already has a little scoby. You'd be, you love matcha. You'd yeah, marry matcha. I'd marry matcha. You'd kill coffee. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's so funny. Anyway, back to working memory and recall and storage. storage. Not storage. And not storing. Exactly. How do you do all this? Like, great. We, we understand it in theory, right? Why it might be valuable or important. And also, I think for my mystical witchy baddies who are listening, you know, that's what a grimoire is. Mm-hmm. Grimoire is a witch's book where a witch writes down, <laughs> a witch like you and me, writes down her spells or their spells and their potions and their intentions and what they're doing and what a new moon in Libra felt like mm-hmm. so that the next time it happens, they have a reference point of like, oh, right. This worked for this. This got me here. And you build upon that knowledge base over time. That's what making a magical practice is. That's what creating a spiritual practice is. So this isn't like a new concept necessarily. It's just maybe like a different form that you've never thought of. And that's where second brain comes in. We're obsessed with second brain. And well, I'm obsessed. I don't want to speak for you. I'd say you've been in the game longer. Been in the game. I'm jealous of your second brain. (laughs) Mine is just... It's baby. It's a little bib. Yeah, exactly. And I'm nurturing it. Exactly. With so much care. And I have to say, I love technology. There's so many good apps. There are so many good apps. They really To help are. you. They really if are. You don't have to do that much. No, you really don't. Like, I would say bare minimum. I used to just bookmark everything. Mm-hmm. 
I would bookmark every single thing. And you know what? That's a form of a second brain because Mm. it's a place where you're storing information to return to it later. However, for me, that did not work because there are so many other things that I want to write down. Ideas, books I'm reading. Also, when you bookmark it, it's gone into a mysterious folder that you never look at again. Right. And if it's out of sight, if you are someone who has object impermanence, then you're never going to look for that thing again unless you remember to go look for it. But you can build a second brain pretty much anywhere you want. There's a great theory called Lumen Slipbox, mm. which is a good example. If you do a Google, you'll learn a little bit about it, but it's effectively what Joan Rivers used. It's creating note cards with ideas and connecting those ideas together. And that's pretty much what we want our second brain to do. We want it to be reference points for recall, right? We want it to be storage for important things that we know we want to review over and over again and go back to. And we also want it to be a place where we can create connections between things. So if you can like create a space that has the ability to make physical connections, perhaps put two note cards together Mm -hmm. to create a hybrid concept, or maybe you do this in Notion and you connect two pieces of Notion, right? Mm -hmm. Like two parts of a table inside of Notion where you can say, oh, this article about cults in the wellness space and this article that I read or this email that I got about mental models, these actually overlap. And Mm -hmm. there's something interesting in between these two things. I'm the center point. I am the middle. I can bring these two ideas together and work on a concept to create something new. So that's effectively what we want our second brain to do. Those three things, storage, recall, and create connections. And you can build it anywhere you want. We build ours in Notion. It's so easy. And there are a couple of different apps that we use, but you could totally do this in Evernote. You could probably like, I don't know, what else could you do this in? Readwise, I was just fixing mine today, which is an app that takes all of your Kindle highlights and your iPhone book whatever that app is, oh, highlights. Like and I your some, library? Yeah, I sometimes read on my phone if I don't have my Kindle in iBooks. Mm-hmm. And it also connects to that, which is really nice. That's cool. And definitely Evernote, I saw there on the integrations. If you're an Evernote stan, I know you're out there. <laughs> Lots of people. They have a strong community. They really do. Yeah, there's another, I'm totally blanking on the name of it now, but there's another cool app that people really Pocket like. Pocket has a connection if you use Pocket. Yeah. And the point of Readwise, Readwise basically connects to your e-reader and all these other apps. And anytime you're reading and you highlight something, it pulls in those clips. So like the book that Wallace was reading mm-hmm. about ADHD, mm-hmm. as she's highlighting it, um, it'll make a new page inside of her note-taking system, Evernote or Notion or whatever. And it will say, here are all the things that you loved about this book. So every time she wants to go reference that book, she doesn't have to open it up and flip through the pages or cert, like control find the concept she's looking for. She can look at her highlights and make notes and add on to them and develop further concepts and ideas. So we really like Readwise. Mm-hmm. Readwise, sponsor us. We also really like Notion for this. We teach this in Notion for Magical Baddies systems. I feel like this is what It's just like the sleeper hit of Notion for Magical Baddies systems. Yeah. And it is one of those things that takes a little massaging. Definitely. You got to work with it. You got to find what works for you. Yes. You have to find the cadence that works for you. Also because people read at different speeds Mm. and take in information at different speeds, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like some people only read a couple times a month. And so they're not going to add as much to their second brain because they're just not looking at as many references and resources. Yeah. I don't know if there's an app for this, but if there is, let us know. I would like a Readwise for audio. There is one for podcasts. It's called, I think it's called Air, A-I-R-R. I I can't remember. Is it good? Yeah, it was good. Basically, you 
connected to your notion or whatever, or your readwise. I think you're connected to readwise. And as you're listening to a podcast, you can highlight or like make a note in the audio that you liked that part of the audio, just like an audiobook. And it'll pull in either the transcription or whatever your notes are for that episode, which I thought was really cool. I learn a lot auditory. Mm -hmm. I'm an auditory learner Mm -hmm. and a visual learner. So that was very helpful for me for a while. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about is learning styles. Yeah. Because that can really help you when you're figuring out how to set up your own second brain. When you see one that is functioning, it's really hard not to be like, I want that. Give me that. (laughs) Give me it. Yeah, totally. Give me the template. But the sticky part you have to get through is figuring out your own system. Yep. 100%. And I haven't taken Tiago Forte's class on second brain, but he teaches like an entire course on building a second brain. I've read his articles about it and there are, you know, there are a lot of things that he does that seem like they work really well for him that would absolutely not work for me and like would completely inhibit me from even starting this type Mm -hmm. of project. But you should go check it out. And if you dig it, you should take his class and you can probably figure out what you need as you reference your material. And I think that's really where Second Brain is like the best as a content creator and knowledge worker. I keep sort of fine tuning what works for me and Mm -hmm. what I need. I go back to my Second Brain pretty much every day. And I actually have started adding like things to buy or like a shopping category because I see- Love a shopping category. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I haven't made one. Tag it with like, there are different tags I make in my second brain, like psychology, marketing, business. And I tag different articles based on, you know, what concept they fall under. Then I have subcategories beneath that, like under business might be entrepreneur mindset or managing other people or I don't know, Bitcoin, whatever. And so I'll add subcategories, but I have added a shopping category. And because so much of my job is like looking at trends, our jobs are looking at trends, but also like, let's go shopping. Love to shop. Yeah. <laughs> love to look. Actually love to look. Don't love to shop. Love no, to look. No, just I love to add to cart. Yeah. And oh, it's so satisfying. It's very much like timeline to check out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really future visioning every time you add to cart, right? It Where is. you're like, this could be a life that I lead. And then 99% of the time I don't end up pulling the trigger on those purchases, but I'm like... Like, I can be that without the Aesop soap. Exactly. But I think that just, just understanding that your brain is not for storage. It's for cognition. It's for intuition is a game changer. And it will make you so much more intuitive if you can free up your mental bandwidth and your space so that those messages can come through. And however you need to do that, do it. Like find the system that works for you. But if you're feeling frustrated because you're not feeling intuitive, you're not feeling tapped in, you're feeling like you're not getting the messages that you know that you're, you want to receive and that other people receive, it might be because the volume is turned up too high on the concepts that give you anxiety or the things that give you anxiety, like trying to remember what you want to text your friend when you're in the middle of a Pilates class Mm. versus being able to listen to your body and what your body's telling you. The other thing that's awesome about just systems in general, once you get them going, once you get a second brain going, if you're curious about it, if this is something you're interested in, that's something we talk about in the Spells and Systems course. But also you can make any other system that works for you. That's just one component. And one of the cool things about the end of this class is seeing all the awesome templates that people make for very different things. Somebody made a really cool plant care dashboard and system. There were so many good ones from the last cohort in August, our kind of trial run. So it's really fun to be able to learn from your peers during this course. 
It is. It's really cool to see how other people systematize things that are like challenging for them. Yeah. And I was just thinking about second brain again. It's one of those systems that once you set it up, it's smooth sailing from there. It's just getting over the hurdle of setting up your base Mm -hmm. because it just feels this colossal thing. Maybe it's a system for tracking credit cards that you want, or maybe it's for client intake, whatever it is. It feels like this massive monumental thing. And then once you sit down and do it, you're like, oh, wasn't that hard and now I'm pretty set up that's so right and it's the initial learning curve is just like oh life is so much easier when I do it this way Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like getting out of your old habits that maybe took more time more energy more of your brain space and like actually making your life more easy and you would be shocked at how many of us are resistant to making our life easier because we're afraid that potentially we will still fail even if we make or we will not get the things we want we will not succeed even when it's very easy for us. Mm. I think I feel like this is a thing for me of like, well, if I make it really hard, then if I don't get what I want, then it's because it was really hard and I made mm-hmm. it impossible. Mm-hmm. But if I make it like so easy for myself to succeed and get what I want and I still don't get it, then that's like, cause maybe I didn't actually want it. Exactly. And also sometimes we want the drama <laughs> in our own lives, sometimes in our own. We just want to be interesting. We need to make dopamine. <laughs> Trying it's to produce true. the dopamine. <laughs> I'll add stress to my life, but you don't have to. You don't. You don't need. It's an option. It's an option. That's the episode, folks. We're done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> There's so much more to say about second brain. If you're like, I'm still a little bit confused. I just very strongly recommend doing a Google. There's so much great information out there, and they definitely spend a lot of time on the internet. It's useful to understand this concept of storing information, no matter what. Yeah. Whether you implemented or not it'll give you some ideas for how you go about consuming that's right that's right and that's it thank you for listening (laughs) and hit us up in the dms let us know what you thought we'd love to hear more from you all right that is what we have for you today again happy new year We are so excited to be back on the 12th house with you soon. And we will see you in the Mighty Networks Hub, in the North Node. We'll maybe see you in Notion for Magical Baddies next week. We're also running Notion for Magical Baddies digital altars again this year, which was a huge, huge, huge hit. And that is a great course if you're looking to make peace with and amplify your presence online. So look out for that. We got a lot more coming this year and we'll be back on the pod soon. So stay hydrated. See you on the internet. Bye. Bye.